he put in the work, you know, he, he renovated the house, he gained a quarter million in equity. Like that wasn't, that wasn't just because the market went up that much. That was, you know, Andy put in value to the property. But that being said, in like 2023, you should continuously be like leveling up your, your portfolio as well as just, you know, doing everything the right way from the get go. Welcome to the Short-Term Rental Pros Podcast. Knowledge, experiences, and actionable takeaways from those who are killing it with short-term rentals. Here's your host, Jeremy Warden. We are live with the Short-Term Rental Pros Podcast. Today, I'm super stoked to be here with not only my, my first mentee ever, but actually my childhood best friend as well who, I mean, we've been through a lot, a lot together in short-term rentals, but also in life. And really, you know, our stories, we've kind of came up together. So I'm, I'm really, really happy today to kind of hear, hear from Andy Gillespie. Uh, Andy is a realtor, also a short-term rental operator uh, with a portfolio of properties that he manages or co-hosts, as well as ones that he's bought himself. Andy's done a lot of like home renovation projects. I call him Handy Andy, because he's really good at you know value being a value add investor as well as leveraging the cash flow from short term rentals. But we're gonna get into his story today. Talk about how he got clients. Talk about how he identifies lucrative properties and and really kind of what short term rentals has you know the life that short term rentals has created for him. So Andy, thank you so much for joining today. Hey man, it's a pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. And yeah, like you said, unfortunately. I've known you for a long, long time since about <laughs> second grade. Hey man, <laughs> yeah. Well, well, uh, Andy will give you all the tea on me back to back to elementary school. But yeah, really, I guess tell everybody your background. I'm sure there's going to be a lot of uh, similarities to my background, so this will this will be fun. But Ayo, where are you from, uh, and how did you you know get to where you are today? Yeah. So for those who don't know, Jeremy and I's story or our connection. We both moved to North Carolina around the same time in second or first, second or third grade. And I think he was coming from New Jersey and I was coming from Long Island and ended up at the same school. And we basically were in school together through and through all the way through college and played sports together and ended up playing on the JV basketball team at UNC together. And basically it seemed like our paths might split a little bit after college when I was attempting to apply to medical school and Jeremy was moving to New York and doing other things, but our paths came back together in COVID times. It seemed like everybody from our childhood was coming back into town and I was seeing a lot more of Jeremy than I had since college ended. And that's kind of when my STR journey started. Jeremy had the audacity to join me and my family at our uh, beach house in Wrightsville and bring a camera and basically say, I'm going to take pictures of your, of your house and we're going to list it on Airbnb and we're going to make a ton of money. And if anybody knows, Jeremy is super rambunctious and can just kind of be a force of nature. So we kind of let it happen. And that was, that was the initial introduction to short-term rentals for me. And from there, we kind of worked together and it's blossomed into something really good for both of us. So yeah, and Andy and Andy actually helped uh with boat rentals too early on. He uh you know, I was telling him, "Yo, these Airbnbs and these these houses are crazy." 
So let's, mm. you know, let's, you got to get into it. You know, uh, at the time, AO was a, and guys, AO is his nickname, childhood nickname. So if I keep saying AO, that's, that's, that's what I call him. <laughs> but Andy said, it's weird saying Andy, sorry. Andy was at the time, like a medical scribe getting paid. I mean, what were you getting paid? Like $15 an hour? Yeah. So this is a funny story. I was, I was working in the emergency department at UNC, you know, it, it was kind of, one of those jobs where it was a means to an end. It was something that I was trying to get some experience on my resume to look good to apply to med school. And I'd been working in there for about a year before COVID started. And once you, when you reach, I think it's the thousand hours worked mark, you're supposed to get a promotion. And that promotion was $1 an hour. So it was going to go from 10 to $11 an hour. And by no means was I thinking this was going to be a forever job. Like I said, it was a means to an end and, Money didn't really matter, but it was just kind of a, a case in point of when COVID came, they reduced all the uh, bonuses for, you know, non-essential staff members, but we were still working in the hospital when COVID was going down. So we were frontline, basically working every single day in the emergency department, and they didn't allow or didn't approve our $1 an hour bonus for the scribes. And so at that point, I was like, this is complete BS. I cannot, uh, you know, rely on somebody else. If anything goes down to provide for me and, you know, family one day. And it just so happened that's when me and Jeremy kind of reconnected and we're doing a bunch of work together. And it did start with the boat rentals, which was a, a very fun and pretty lucrative summer for the both of us, I think. Basically, he had started the boat rental business at Heiko Lake first. And I'm not sure how many boats you had at the time when when uh, we decided to start at Jordan Lake, but I remember you were doing all the research on the Google Analytics saying, if it works at Heiko, why wouldn't it work at Jordan Lake? And the analytics were honestly even better there. There's only one other boat rental company and they weren't doing weekend rentals. So you basically were like, let's, let's start at Jordan Lake. And I was gonna be the full operator of this of this operation at Jordan Lake. So I was hands-on putting boats in the water, meeting with all the all the renters and doing some minimal bookkeeping, but did that for the whole summer while we were also kind of getting into some co-hosting and that type of stuff, which I think you've shared quite a bit on the show, but kind of your your start as well. Yeah. So when Andy and I, we were pretty much playing tennis every day. So COVID hit March of 2020. I went back home to North Carolina and we just started playing tennis. And, you know, I, obviously we we're really close friends for a long time, but, you know, I'd gone to, I was living in New York and he was, you know, working medical, medical job in Chapel Hill. So like from, a, you know, wasn't a lot to talk about from a, like a, you know, business standpoint, but once we just started playing and, I was kind of like, wow, this is crazy. Cause you know, I, I had the experience initially with the boats as well as, you know, the first properties I managed. I'm like, dude, these things are making a lot of money. And like, wait a minute, you know, I'm pretty, I'm pretty nosy. Like I, I, you know, I ask questions and I'm pretty, I can be kind of a, a brute, you know, pretty, pretty forceful. But when Andy's telling me like all the stories about how, you know, he, Oh, next week I'm supposed to get a $1 a week raise promotion. And then that week goes by and he's like, oh, they took it back. Like, yeah. never mind. They're they're making us work more because of COVID. And and we need like to do more shifts because they need, you know, more, you know, a lot of people are quitting and, you know, there's a lot more people physically at the hospital. 
However, now we're getting actually paid less. And I was like, dude, you gotta come on, man. <laughs> like we gotta, all right, check. It was, it was, it was opening for me too. And I think it's, it's really good to, you know, have those type of conversations with somebody like you, who's, you know, you're so open about numbers and talking about money and things of that nature that, you know, if I, if I had only surrounded myself with people who were, you know, aspiring med, med school students, it wouldn't have even crossed their mind that that was weird, you know? But when you're like, wow, dude, come on, man, they're, they're taking away your $1 an hour raise. How freaking disrespectful is that? <laughs> so I think that was, that was eye opening for me to a certain extent too. And, you know, I think it was also for me, I had always had aspirations to be a, you know, orthopedic surgeon to work in sports field. I was always very connected in sports. And, you know, when I Andy, think about Andy's it, he's very athletic. Andy, oh. Andy can dunk. Uh, <laughs> Thank you, Jeremy. Still, Thank he, you. He's an athlete just, uh, in case you guys, he was always more athletic than me. And he's, he was a all, all region high school football player. He was, you know, really good basketball player as well. So yeah. it made sense Juice that he up. wanted to work in, in sports medicine. But yeah, so I'm, I guess when I think back on it, a lot of, you know, my aspirations to do that was a, because it's, you know, sports related, but B, those are the highest paying jobs in, you know, the medical fields is going to be your super niche or your, you know, surgeon that needs to go to four extra years of residency. And so when I think about it, it wasn't like, it, it was a, a dream of mine, but it wasn't something that I was dead set. And like, I wouldn't be happy if I was doing anything else, for example. So when Jeremy came around, it, it wasn't hard for me to be convinced to pivot into something else. And I think it's opened up so many more doors for me too. So. So got it. So, so you initially, so that, that first property uh, for you was like taking a, an asset, you know, friends and family property, which is actually funny, that specific property, because I mean, your family bought that house, like in foreclosure in distress mm -hmm. in 2000, like, 13 or 14 and i remember us literally going up there and like sleeping on the floor like the fans all had like birds like it was completely in distress there was holes yeah. in the walls yeah. like it was a it was a pos it had yeah. you could look out and see the ocean <laughs> yeah. so it definitely you know had had potential but we literally slept on the floor there wasn't any hvac at the time so we had to like open the windows and you know bugs were flying through and so really like i feel like we got you know experience and you know i'll give shout out to phil there uh, being, you know, Hey, you guys want to enjoy this? We've got work to do. Yes. Uh, we gotta, we gotta, we gotta get our hands dirty. And, and so like, really you kind of helped renovate that property and your family just used it for personal enjoyment, but you also kind of like let friends use it mm -hmm. and you charge your, I mean, Andy was telling me like how much they charge their friends. And I was like, this is too low. <laughs> like, yeah. like obviously, yeah. You know, I love, I love coming, like, don't get me wrong. I love that I can come and hang out, but like, you know, you could definitely, you know, you should, if you're already renting it to friends, like you guys don't use it all the time, Yeah. rent it out, you know, the other weeks you don't use it and get a premium for it. So yeah, I literally took my, my camera and invited myself over to their beach house. And uh, <laughs> I don't remember if I made their Airbnb listing or you made it, but whatever, we, we got that one up. So that was your first one. And then at about that time, I was showing Andy like, yo, check out how much these boats are making. So, hey, check out how much the houses are making. But like the boats and, you know, we're both just right out of school. Like we had 
very little, you know, money to invest. And uh, the math on the boats was at that time, like really, I mean, just feel free. I mean, COVID was crazy for boat rentals. Like, I mean, right now, like there's still obviously opportunity, but COVID, like if you think, oh, Airbnb was crazy and good during COVID, like boats were just on another level. Like how much could we rent out the boats at, at that lake uh, each day in the summer? Yeah, man. I mean, it, it varied, but you'd have weekdays at 350 a day, and then you'd have your weekends at five five to $600. And then uh, holidays, I mean, shoot, I think there was times where we we peaked at like a thousand or eleven hundred dollars for a boat rental for a day, and you know we would do like two half days, yeah. do like two half days at five hundred or five fifty. Yeah, so it'd be like a thousand bucks a day. Yeah, per boat, and uh, I mean, we only had, I guess, we had two operating pretty much the full whole summer, and then um, a third that I think we might have we might have gotten out a couple times, but I mean, being that it was just me running it, I mean. Two, two was uh, was a good amount for you know a first summer. I mean, I basically learned how to trailer that boat the first day I was taking it out to a renter. So you know, a little bit of learning curve, but I got really good at it by the end. But yeah, no, they were they were crushing it, and I saw how well they were doing at Heiko, and I thought it'd be cool to get involved. And I was in the area anyway for I was still scribing at the time, just every every once in a while. So. That was it. Got it. But I, I like I like to give numbers on the on the podcast. Just uh, I'm a numbers guy, and I I think people like it. But I think yeah, I could probably look it up and probably should have had it prepared. But I think that like those two boats really, uh, I think they probably both made like thirty five grand, thirty grand a piece. Yeah. Uh, that summer, and you know that the summer was like three months. You know, we didn't we didn't run those from like April to November. It was really just the peak season there. So, you know, pretty, pretty solid again for a one man shop to do, I don't know, let's say like 70, $75,000 in, I don't know, a hundred days, yep. like, so 700 bucks a day on average, like pretty, pretty solid. And then, you know, you took your cut and what you did. And also obviously what I've been doing is then you invested that into growing your portfolio. So tell me, tell me about that first investment uh, you made. Yeah, so my first investment was buying a duplex in downtown Wilmington. Obviously, we had those. Uh, I had connections with the Wrightsville area. My family had been coming down here for years. I wanted to be nearby, but I was also a huge fan of the downtown Wilmington area. And running some numbers, you know, I I found that you know, they cash flow super well. At that point in time, anything was cash flowing though. The, the interest rates were so low. You could literally, I mean, you could analyze any property and it would it would most likely cash flow at least a little bit. But for me, I was looking for somewhere that I could move because in the time I was living at my parents' house, I could move into and also rent the other side. So it was a bit of a house hack, but it was set up as a duplex. So it worked out just perfectly. And I put a good amount of of my own money and time and effort into renovating this this unit. It was $210,000 a side and so 420k total um, for this duplex and could utilize a first-time home buyer loan and I think we put in $20,000 in renovations on each side. That honestly might even be high. I literally did 
everything myself with the exception of the countertops and we had some people come in and put in LVP flooring in the kitchen. Everything else I did myself. So I was grinding in here, sleeping on the floors and it was pretty much like still COVID at that time. So I didn't mind, you know, not every, I didn't have FOMO from seeing people in bars or anything like that. <laughs> I was just chilling here, working on the house. I sanded and refinished all the floors. And uh, yeah, then I got the next door unit furnished before I officially furnished, you know, the side that I was technically going to live on and got it, got it renting on, on Airbnb. And it's done about four to $5,000 a month consistently for three years. So. And you, and you've also, and I'm, again, I'm the numbers guy here. And I, I mean, Andy showed me this deal at the time and, you know, got my feedback on it, but your mortgage on both sides is like, $800, like $800 a piece or something yeah, like that. Yeah, exactly. I think at this point it's $900 for the Airbnb side and uh, like basically just above a thousand dollars on my side. And that might've been, we added some wind and hail insurance or some sort of other insurance, but the, I mean, just the principal interest is, is ridiculously low. It's like 500, $600 a month. So yeah, it's like ridiculous. This could cash flow in, any sort of uh you know exit strategy that you wanted to do i could rent this out i could midterm i could short term anything with cash flow but it was a great deal at the time and you know i think that this is something it just goes to show that i didn't have all the expertise at the time but just getting into the game now in hindsight i'm thinking wow i mean this was an absolute home run deal but all the nerves and, you know, getting into it in the, in the beginning is it's all worth it, you know, and I think just taking action is so important. Exactly. And so, and you also rent out. So it's too, just to give the context and I know a lot about Andy here. So, you know, I didn't, I didn't prep and you know, get him to give this to me. So if I'm wrong, Andy, correct me, but there's two sides. Mm -hmm. uh, one side, they're both two beds, one and a half bathrooms. Mm -hmm. The side you live on, you also rent out that other room and you rent that out at about like eight, 900 a month. Yeah. So in, initially when I first finished, I was still living at home. So I actually rented out both, both or both bedrooms in here. I didn't even live here for the first year and a little bit that I had this house. Slept on the floor, lived with his parents. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> did, no, we both, we both did what it took early on yeah, to for sure. just like keep every cent we could possibly keep in order mm -hmm. to in order to grow it, so, it didn't make sense for me to, right, to move here at that time and and pay the mortgage myself even if it was just on one side so i rented out both rooms i think at seven seven hundred a piece so 1400 a month on just my side as a long-term rental basically just renting to friends who lived in the area who were also in a similar stage of life post-college and yeah, so that worked out great. So this was this side was cash flowing about four hundred, five hundred dollars a month, and the other side was cash flowing twenty five hundred to thirty five hundred dollars a month, and that's kind of how it all started. And since then, I've moved, I've have moved in here, but yeah. Okay, so that that duplex strategy. So you initially, you know, started boats, co-hosting, duplex strategy. What was your what was your next move? How did you scale from there? Yeah, so I think. Co-hosting was a big, you know, was kind of a priority at that point after I deployed my little bit of capital that I had into, you know, my, About money. my own property, I was pretty much broke again. So 
co-hosting was was the obvious next strategy to generate some more cash flow. And I started marketing to people in Wilmington as well as back in the Triangle. And I, I remember, you know, I had been somewhat involved in talking to some of your first like or first co-hosting clients on Heiko and just being, you know, somebody, a facilitator in the area. And then I used that experience from working with you and your clients to then market to people in Wilmington. And that's how I got my first co-host deal down here was just, it was basically a mutual friend and they had a, an ex extra or, you know, a house that they were looking to rent out. They just moved and I pitched them on Airbnb and in this area, it's kind of a no brainer. It's basically double, double the potential income for them and it's still hands off. And especially if, if people are moving from a house that they've been living in and they want to get new furniture, it's also a lot easier to just, you know, utilize some of the things that they already have in the house and, you know, pitch them on, on pretty much all the benefits that co-hosting has to offer. Yeah, I think I think it was one thing that was interesting that that we did early on because you know we we first you know I got my first co-host, then you got your first co-host, so like we didn't have like an expansive you know the the portfolios we have today, but we kind of used each other's listings to mm -hmm. you know make ourselves appear more credible. Yeah. So when we would go to someone, we wouldn't be like, oh, I only have one property, you know, uh, one mm -hmm. listing. We would add each other, we, you know, we would add each other to each other. So we'd say, oh no, we have our beach division and we have our lake division. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> yeah. We have our triangle division. Yeah. There was a point in time there where, you know, we were kind of almost sharing a, a, you know, PMS or I had your properties also on my PMS and then your, your side of it just kept on growing and growing and growing. And I was like, okay, I might need to uh, split this up. or Log off like, of it. Yeah, <laughs> I need to get his off of mine quick. <laughs> Uh, yeah, you're probably getting a lot of notifications. Yeah, definitely. I went, I went, I went balls to the wall. Yeah, you did. Yeah, you <laughs> Andy's did. had a Andy's had a more tapered, uh, yeah. tapered approach yeah. versus me. I <laughs> yeah, and I think I think that's another important you know note for anybody listening is I feel like everyone can kind of kind of grow at their own pace and focus on you know the areas that they want to focus on more. And if you you are expanding the co-hosting very rapidly. And on the other hand, I'm kind of selecting and only marketing via like word of mouth. So I'm not, I wasn't expanding as fast as you on the co-hosting side. And so I think that's just important for people to know. It's like, you don't necessarily need to go completely gangbusters. I mean, you can do it at your own pace, but still have a pretty good little portfolio of listings. Got it. So you're able, so well, right now we're at, you know, the, the, the beach condo or the beach house the duplex, the one in downtown Wilmington. Uh, then you picked up one in the Triangle region of North Carolina. Mm -hmm. And then you kind of got a, a Mac Daddy uh, property in the beach that you took over from another property. Man, this is something that I've talked about on, on previous episodes. I talked about it with uh, Mike Riley of STR Secrets. Uh, I just talked about it with like Jetstream. But you took a property that was like a Vacasa property with, that was like very poorly managed that's right and you took it over so can you kind of walk us through how that how that happened yeah so the this homeowner had had their their property managed by a local beach there, there's all sorts of beach realty beach property management companies that are local or semi-local and have local operators in the area 
and for years i think that they were they were pleased with with their service and then vacasa came down and bought the contracts from not all of them but a pretty large portion of these smaller beach style realty companies and from what they were telling me on our initial introductory calls was that they just couldn't get a hold of somebody they used to have a local office now those people were basically fired or moved into other areas of the company and they couldn't get a hold of anybody they didn't feel like it was a personable uh, management experience and so when i basically reached out to them to say hey i know you guys it it sounds like you guys are are not happy with your current situation i'm local i have a smaller portfolio of of properties and you know i can offer something that these other people bigger corporations can't. And I don't think that that is something that Vacasa necessarily took into account when making these big acquisitions was this isn't the same as a long-term rental uh, lease acquisition where the homeowners don't really care. Some of them are pretty hands-on and that was the case here. These homeowners are pretty hands-on with their property. So they want somebody who they can get in contact with, they can meet in person and they can kind of, we can kind of do like a hybrid strategy and implement what they want to and implement, you know, my, my management skills. So that was kind of what happened there. And I can see that being uh, a big way for for people to target, target co-hosting properties. And and I say it's like, it's a really good place in the vacation rental management game to be at less, like less properties is an advantage in many ways with like this boutique vacation rental management because you know what vacasa did they tried to swallow and buy up everybody and like it is hard to offer that personalized service when you've got twenty thousand properties exactly. when you've got 10 you know 7 10 20 25 you can you can offer that service when you get to like 100 it becomes more difficult however and i kind of want to preface this with kind of like the lifestyle aspect of, of what you're doing sitting at that you know, 10, 10 property mark, you're a cash flowing, you know, good bet you're profiting B you're providing good service. You know, if the owner wants to like send you a message and text you and give you a note on something, you know, you can, you can respond to it yourself and it's not, you know, overwhelming or you're not getting too many of those a day, but see, like you could live a pretty damn good lifestyle. So tell us about that kind of like, you know, why, I guess what's your why and then why in short, like why have you correct crafted the business that you have? Yeah, I think, I think, you know, I am a pretty big lifestyle guy. I do enjoy, you know, the idea of being able to go surf in the middle of the day or, you know, play basketball or travel. And by no means am I, am I saying that I'm just content with, you know, exactly where I'm at. I think I'm always looking to grow and always looking for, for ways to increase my, my cash flow and, increase my You're under contract on another house right now i am i am yep that's the next move but yeah for me i mean that was that was really the why the ability to and i think it's actually funny when when i bought this duplex that we were just talking about and i'm living at my parents house and i'm cash flowing and then we were kind of joking around oh look we reached or you reached financial freedom <laughs> i'm like heck yeah dude i guess i did you know i don't have to worry about you know uh my bills at this house and i'm cash flowing and i could basically i mean if i wanted to continue to live off a thousand dollars a month for the rest of my life i guess 
you could that's one one way to uh <laughs> describe financial freedom but obviously we weren't done there yeah so i am under contract on another house that's kind of the next move and looking to uh to probably do a midterm rental on this side of of dock street that's the goal oh wow you you want to you want to move out or so this new house is for you yeah yeah well i'm gonna move move into it and it needs a lot of work so gonna kind of do a live and rehab handy andy yep handy andy's gonna gonna come back come back and um yeah so gonna gonna live there and renovate it and then i think we'll just uh, like completely short term rental it in in a year and then move into the problem prob- <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah and then uh likely move into uh i don't know we'll see what happens after that but um you're yeah. gonna you're gonna you're gonna add value so essentially you're gonna kind of like live and flip and exactly. i want i want to just for example that first property you bought that duplex you bought for 410 grand you worked on it yourself for a couple months it's not that much you know it's like what two years three or three years later mm-hmm. what do you think uh i think you recently i remember you asked me about a HELOC, like, and kind of to give you the, the rundown on how that works. Mm-hmm. Did you go through with the HELOC and what they value the property at? Yeah, I did go through with the HELOC. So I have that line of credit, which I'm hoping to use for some of the rehabs on this next project. But I just did it on one side because weirdly enough, this duplex was actually deeded as two separate properties. So I just uh, had one side appraised and got a HELOC on it and it appraised at 328. So, or it, so if you multiply that by two, yeah. now you've got a $656,000 yeah. asset Which is when you insane. initially bought it. And you bought it for four ten. Mm. So Andy's net worth has gone up a quarter million dollars. And so, A, he's made the cash flow. He's quote unquote. When we say financial freedom, <laughs> like I... I'm going to admit, like, we kind of laugh. We laugh. It was, it was, it's a joke, you know, uh, not financial freedom isn't a joke, but just like the concept and everything we see on social media, like it obviously gets, you know, thrown out there a lot. It's just an overused buzzword, but I do, I do love financial freedom. Yes. Yeah. So AO's got that financial freedom, (laughs) you know, the, the monthly cash flow that, you know, pays for his, his bills. He's able to save some in order to, you know, to invest in real estate. He's also creatively using, the equity he has in his first property. So again, guys, it went from 410 grand. He put a low down payment on one side, had to put a higher down payment, had to use more of the boat money that he probably wanted to use on the mm-hmm. other because they, you know, made, you know, unfortunately they made, you know, they deeded as two separate lots, but you use the equity, the equity gain from that property, pulled a home equity line of credit against it to now uh, do the down payment or the improvements on this new property. And then what you're going to do is you're going to improve it. You're going to increase the equity value mm-hmm. and just keep rinsing and repeating, right? Exactly. And that's, you know, I'm a big proponent of of doing value add to STR. It's almost like a, like a burster strategy where you buy rehab, then short-term rental, then refinance. But... I, yeah, I think that, that that's a huge, it's a, it's a huge opportunity to get into a property and then you can basically, uh, end up having no cash into the deal if you structure it right after you, uh, you, you do these, these renovations and then refinance and then um, do the next deal. Exactly. So it, it's definitely, it, it's, especially when you're, when you're doing it 
my way. I have to, I have to be very selective on what, what deals I'm taking on because, you know, I'm not the most, uh, I don't know the word for it, but bankable or loanable person in the world. I'm also, you know, like I, I don't, I've never had a W2. So except for in the hospital, which I don't think would have ever qualified me for a loan, but I have to be, I have well, to be pretty it helped, it helped for that first. You yeah. were able to get like an initial loan and you've done some like DSCR. Exactly. DSCR yeah, stuff. Yeah. yeah. And that's something else that, that I, I think is going to be huge in the next year or two. And something that I'm really focusing on is trying to be a master at finding creative finance deals. I think that that's going to be the name of the game here in the next year or two. I, I asked Andy what, what episode of the pod he liked the most. And that, that was the one he said. Yeah. The, yeah. Uh, the one with Ryan Bakey, the, uh, I guess. I guess it makes sense now. <laughs> yeah, definitely, definitely. No, it's there's there's a ton of value in that episode, and you know, I, I feel like I've just ingested a lot of information and a lot of uh, knowledge from different people online about creative finance in general, and it just makes a whole lot of sense in this the financial environment that we are in in the world with interest rates where they're at and people struggling to you know find affordable housing. Maybe people got in with interest rates at 2.5 and need to move and or can't afford their their mortgage payment anymore. You can do subject to, you can do seller finance. As a non non not great loanable person, that's something that I, I'm gonna be trying to put a lot of effort into. Hey, they don't need to know that. They don't exactly. that's the thing with su- subject to and creative finances. Doesn't really matter, you know, what your your bankable your bankability. Uh, so, okay. So I'm excited to hear about your, you know, subject to creative, uh, creative finance pursuit, but tell us, uh, so you did this, you know, you got, you built your co-hosting business, got, got the cash flow. You've been gaining equity through ownership, but you also got your real estate license and you also, you know, sold your first property to, uh, to an investor. Um, (laughs) I don't know. I don't know who, I don't know who, uh, who fell for your, uh, fell for your antics, but yeah, tell us. So I guess, well, how has been the, you know, adding that to your, uh, to your arsenal, what's, you know, what was the thought that went into that and, and, and how has that helped you? Yeah, definitely. You know, I think part of, part of getting into this business and wanting to do short-term rentals and co-hosting is, you know, creating a lifestyle, uh, you know, a sources of income that are not your typical office job and you, you can create more time for yourself and time freedom. But with that, that midday, that midday surf, yeah. you gotta wait till the, the, the temperature is perfect before yeah. you go out there. Exactly, exactly. And the surf conditions, the waves are as high as Andy. Andy watches the 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 wave cameras. Oh yeah, oh yeah. WBLiveSurf.com. Shout out. <laughs> but yeah, with that, you know, it's it seemed like a, a an obvious vertical integration for me to get my real estate license, and I have I had a good amount of time to you know work with clients during the day. You don't need to be on your phone or computer 24 hours a day when you're co-hosting. So, I mean, that was a, it was a pretty obvious next step, next step for me. And something I always wanted to do was to be able to, you know, provide some value for other people that were in situation, the same situation as me two years ago, for example, or wanted to get into their first house or somebody who has been an investor for a long time, but doesn't really know the, the STR game that well to kind of come in as a, quote unquote, real estate investor before getting a real estate license, I think is, is pretty invaluable. And, you know, I think there are a lot of things that I learned over the last couple of years that a lot of real estate agents don't focus on or just don't know. So 
and that being said, Jeremy and I worked together on a property not too long ago. And, you know, to have to have me in the local area while he was up in New York and also be able to run numbers and kind of visualize floor plans is is very helpful for, for people who, you know, have an agent that that understands the game. So that that was kind of the idea. Yeah, if anyone listening to this is uh, out of state investor looking to get into North Carolina, hit up Andy. You know, uh, I mean, Andy was yeah for that transaction I did. Uh, I think about five months ago. You know, really like I didn't go to it before I got it under contract. Like Andy, Andy went there, took the videos, he measured the floor plans. He knows, you know, he knows how to look at things like I do, which is really important, and that's why. I always say like that you're that you're realtors because there's a lot of realtors who, you know, oh, of course I know short term rentals like, you know, my like my friend has an Airbnb, but they don't really know, you know, or they're like, and I think a prime example for that is like in Wilmington, like if you hit up a realtor, they're probably like, oh, you need like a waterfront property, you know, like you've got to be on the beach, you've got to be, you know, you've got to be on the water. Downtown is sketchy, you know, like downtown Wilmington is scary. Nobody wants to travel there. <laughs> Like, but Andy knows how to do the research. He's know how, you know, he identified a property with, you know, it was very important to have like a private backyard because he looked at the comp set and he knew in Wilmington that if you being downtown in order to beat the competition, you want to have a private fenced in backyard. So like those little details are what allows you to like get that $5,000 a month, you know, just simplifying things of oh you need to be waterfront or not waterfront or this close to x or this close to y like that's simplifying like you got to know the little details like you got to think about it like an investor like which is what andy does is all right if someone's someone's coming to here like what do they want what's the experience they're looking for uh, i'm sure when you craft a midterm rental which is you know what you might initially do you're gonna know how to think about it like a short-term rental investor and create the experience that is needed to attract the type of guests that you want. So that being said, if you're looking at North Carolina, uh, especially the beach, uh, definitely the beach area or even the triangle, Andy's good. But wherever you're looking for a realtor, you got to vet them because you can't just go with a realtor who claims to be a short-term rental expert. That's just, you're going to set yourself up for disaster. A, you should know how to run the numbers and analyze deals yourself. Uh, B, but you, if you don't want to like, you know, fly out there and tour a million properties, you need to vet your realtor. So super important. Uh, again, super, super just tangible tip for those out there. Uh, but Andy, so what are you excited about for the future? Yeah. Wow. I'm excited to continue growing as a person and grow cash flow. And I'm excited about the opportunities that are going to present themselves here. Like we just said in the creative financing world and, you know, me as an agent, I hope to help help more people get into the game and kind of be that that person that people look to in my market here in North Carolina as the expert in short-term rentals. I think to be able to provide, you know, from the you know brokerage perspective, you know, helping people get into a house to having the, the management background to where I, you know, I could potentially manage somebody's house that I sell them and continue to grow my personal portfolio is are, are the goals and what I'm super excited for 
obviously the immediate next step is is this uh house that i'm under contract right now it's literally just at the inspection before i got home so it's all all looking okay moving along nicely while under contract but um did you go into the the crawl space <laughs> dude this crawl space had a very very small access and the uh, inspector couldn't actually even fit into it, but uh, he was Did able to—he was able to sneak a long camera down there, and we were looking at it together, um, and it—it it all looked looked good, so no problems there. But yeah, I'm looking forward to this. This house has a has a pretty big pool in the backyard and a pool house. Oh really? Yeah. Andy hasn't actually showed me this house. Yet. I know. I'm, I'm excited, for you. I'm so excited goes, for you to see it. He goes under contract, so I guess I guess you've gotten some confidence this time. You don't even uh, don't even need. Doesn't even need. It's when uh, what what's it like the the quote uh, in uh, the Karate Kid the, when it's like the uh, apprentice becomes the master has has became the master. <laughs> yeah, he doesn't even Andy and he doesn't even need to send me deals anymore. Uh, he's he knows how to. He, and that's that just shows you know the how much he's he's grown and it's been really really rewarding uh personally to you know see your friend you know annie's my childhood best friend and you know still still my best friend to this day so to see you know the kind of the life that he's created and also you know andy has you know one thing with his financial freedom is uh he doesn't just you know spend his time in real estate and surfing but really gives his time to like other people and is like very he's like a family man and you know, great relationships with his, you know, I'd really say he's the connector of like a lot of like my high school friends, you know, Andy's been able to, you know, for me, it's like, I'm doing all these things, you know, I'm, you know, it's, it's hard for me to like maintain relationships with like every person that I've like met in my past, but like Andy has, you know, and like, so I can easily like catch up. I feel like I, I can catch up with like 200 of like my past friends through Andy. So again, super, super valuable. Like when you have your time, give it to other people, like maintain relationships, like build new relationships, grow, grow your portfolio. Like, so it's been beautiful to, to watch, oh, man. you know, everything you've, you've done. <laughs> Thank you so much. That, that means a lot. And, you know, to throw it back at you to see, to see your growth and where you've come and to be on your damn podcast. It's, uh, <laughs> it's, uh, it's awesome, man. It's awesome. You've, uh, I think you inspire a lot of a lot of our our friends from home and even though throughout your journey uh from the very i mean i think it was in maybe middle school when we were in trading stocks on a uh stock game you were the you were the one killing it and always the one saying oh, i'm gonna i'm gonna make a whole lot of money one day <laughs> all this type of stuff <laughs> and you know at the time everyone's like oh that jeremy's i can't believe he's saying that he's so annoying but now it's like Hey, look, here he is. He's, uh, he's, he's doing it big. So that's, that's been a pleasure to watch too. And also so fun to be a part of the journey, um, from boat rentals to, you know, co-hosting all of it. I, I have, I have you yeah, to, yeah. to thank for a lot of it too. Don't, don't say that, Andy, <laughs> you know, I, I, I appreciate, I appreciate that. And I'm excited and, uh, we're going to have Andy back because, you know, we're not done yet. You know, we're not, we're not done where it's just the beginning. I really feel like we're in the first inning. Uh, I wanted your opinion on, uh, on barrel saunas. Do you have an opinion on barrel saunas? I love the sauna. I think it's my favorite, my favorite thing right now. I have not gotten a barrel sauna yet. 
I think at the first opportunity I get, I'm going to implement it at one of my properties uh, so that I can use I, it when the guests are gone. <laughs> yeah, that's again, that's Andy's. Uh, Andy weighs that aspect. Uh, yeah, uh, big time. Pretty, pretty high. Where I'm, I'm like, I will never go into any of these things. <laughs> uh, uh, but I'm adding hot tubs to like every property. You guys, like, a big part of this game and crushing it in, in 2023. Like, yeah, when Andy started a couple years ago, that first duplex he did, frankly, like, it would be hard to mess it up. I mean, obviously right. to hit like an absolute home run, like he did, he put in the work, you know, he, he renovated the house, he gained a quarter million in equity. Like that wasn't, that wasn't just because the market went up that much. That was, you know, Andy put in value to the property. But that being said in like 2023, you should continuously be like leveling up your, your portfolio as well as just, you know, doing everything the right way from the get go. And I'm adding hot tubs to every single one of my properties uh, that doesn't, you know, that makes, I have apartments that like, it doesn't, I'm not going to add a hot tub to an apartment. You know, there'd be no way to put it, but for all the houses, we're adding hot tubs. You know, I'm taking, not letting that cash sit in the bank account. Like it's, yeah. it's getting deployed. I'm under contract on a property right now, mm. you know? So I'm, you know, keep, keep going. And, and I'm trying to add, you know, and really nowadays, great pictures, great management, but more and better amenities than the competition. So I'm, I'm checking the hot tub box right now, but the next one I'm, I'm eyeing and trying to figure out like the logistics as well as the ROI potential is the, the barrel sauna. Yeah. yeah <laughs> so that's, sure. that's why I, uh, yeah, I, I, uh, I'm definitely going to have to, you know, uh, talk to you a little bit about making some of these additions to mine as well. That's Yo, your back, your backyards at Dock Street. You can. I know, I know. Yeah, there, there's a lot of a lot pretty, of room. Pretty bare bones, Andy. It is, it is. Yeah. Uh, but I think as we speak, I think there's somebody sitting out there on my beautiful Adirondack. So clearly, they're enjoying it. But yeah, yeah I, I, didn't, I, think, I didn't say the front yard. I said the backyard. Andy's got two fenced-in backyards, which yeah, yeah. are I think somewhat somewhat bare bones. I think you got like a picnic table back. They are. Yeah, we, we just did a very simple. We basically just put a big like four by four post and created a little perimeter infilled it with some gravel pretty gravel and put some adirondacks in a grill it, it was super simple and it was something that we just needed to just basically diy because you know we'd already deployed a lot of cash cheap, cheap as possible as cheap as possible yeah. and it worked for for what it was there's string lights which are great obviously like you say the best roi you can do but yeah it there's room for improvement here and then also pretty much at you know there's there's room for improvement in a lot of different ways and to be able to continue to improve like you are i think that's something that i i really need to you know step on the gas and, and do some of those things and yeah i'm excited for you to to see this new property and i'll keep keep you updated and maybe we can we can do this again when when that's all completed it's a going to be a good one Awesome. Well, yeah, everybody, Andy will be back. So stay tuned for that. Andy, where can they find you if they want to reach out, you know, want help buying a house or just want to follow your journey? Where can they find you? Yeah, my Instagram is AG Surreal Estate. And that is uh, Surreal Estate Management is my property management company. I'm with Better Realty Brokerage based out of Durham. Shout out out Better Realty. Yeah, we've had a fellow Better Realty, Better Properties, better, Better Everything guest on couple weeks ago uh Devin that De- I had Devin who's on earlier so you guys should watch that episode Devin is and better is also my landlord so talk about relationship <laughs> building technically I'm actually 
Andy didn't start working with them until recently, but Andy's also technically one of my landlords for arbitrage. So <laughs> I don't know, a little bit, you know, again, relationship building is, is super key. People say, why wouldn't your landlord screw you over? Well, I'd hope Andy wouldn't, yeah, wouldn't right, want to exactly, do it, exactly. wouldn't want to hurt his old pal. Yeah. <laughs> And even if I'm not involved in that on a daily operational level, it's still nice to know that you have somebody, you know, that has your back and can kind of be somebody on your side within, within our, our company too. So obviously I want to see you succeed. I want to see everybody succeed. We can all do it together. So. Exactly. So we're all, we're exact. So relationships, I mean, obviously we go back to childhood, but just focus on relationship building is huge tip, but also, yeah. What is your, I'd like to ask everybody, like, what is your biggest pro tip uh, for someone listening? Yeah, I think to, I mean, I want to say it's more important that you take action than what you take action on is kind of a key one for me, because when we talk about this, this duplex deal, you know, I didn't have to be a complete master at, at everything at the time and looking back it seems like i was i was a genius and i think that that is the case for a lot of people obviously you can ingest as much information and become and listen to podcasts for for years and it's you kind of get stuck in that analysis paralysis but just getting out there and taking action whether it's i mean there's so many different avenues that you can get involved in here you can co-host you can arbitrage you can you can buy a property but just go ahead and get into it and get your feet wet. Yeah. And I would say, uh, join, uh, work, like, you know, build community and relationships with those who are going to, I don't want to say put a gun to your head and make you take action, but no, uh, no, that's, no, that's a very good point. It's important that you take action and you're more likely to take action. If you're surrounding yourself with people that are, that are also doing it. And that was a big, big thing with me kind of being alongside Jeremy with his journey and him supporting me on my journey and giving me tips here and there. And yeah, I'm sorry if I was a little aggressive uh, with the, action, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I was very forceful with, with Andy on. Uh, yeah. Honestly, I didn't, I didn't have a choice. It's easy for me to say, take action. I actually didn't have a choice. He had uh, cocked the gun back. <laughs> yeah. This is all figuratively. Andy does like to, you know, he's a hobbyist uh, with the guns as well. Uh, so, oh, so yeah. maybe, maybe a literally, not literally, not literally, but, yeah. Okay. I digress. <laughs> so we're gonna end the podcast. Please, please digress. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Well, Ao, love you, brother. Appreciate you coming on today. And uh, as always, everybody, stay tuned to the next episode of Short Term Rental Pros Podcast. Hey, thanks for having me, man. Look forward to coming back soon. Thanks for listening to the Short Term Rental Pros Podcast. Make sure to subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. In the meantime, leave us a five-star rating, like, comment, and share this with someone you know that wants to invest in short-term rentals.